There has been far too long, far too much of unrighteous, unholy things, not around us, but in us. There's been far too much sorrow. There's been far too much despair, far too much discouragement, far too much depression, far too much anxiety, far too much of the things that are not of God in us. There's been far too much wretchedness. There's been far too much confusion. There's been far too much of it and for too long. Yes, I'm talking the last two years with COVID because it's the low-hanging fruit and it's the elephant in the room. Absolutely. But the, what I'm talking about here, it is not just begun in the last two years and we're all kind of learning about it and scratching our head about what to do about it. It's been since the dawn of time. You see, COVID in the last two years, Christian, you're not a bad Christian because you've let some of those worldly things inside of you or you've believed them or you've let them change your faith in a negative way. You're not a bad Christian. That's called your sinful flesh in the Bible. Okay? And you're in the right place, Christian. You're in the right place, Christian. You're in the right place, those outside of Christ curious and not knowing what else to do, and as a last stretch and a last grasp, you're here, you're tuning in, you're in the right place. Because today is the end of it. If you choose, if you submit, not to me, not to Waters Church, but to Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm here to talk about. It's been far too long. And what does the world tell us? Life gives you lemons. Make lemonade. I like lemonade. But how is it that if we're stuck in this world and, we've, and the world has given us these lemons and we have no clue how to do it and we're not in control of these lemons and there's bad things, how is it that now I'm responsible to make lemonade out of it. How is it? Why is it on my shoulders to make lemonade out of lemons? Why is it on your shoulders? Why would the world tell us that it's up to you to make your situation a little bit sweeter, a little bit more palatable, a little bit less sucky? Why? That's heavy. And it's just wrong, it's not biblical. It isn't. Because I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus, where a blind person came to Jesus and he just kind of sort of fixed part of one eye and said, you know, it's better than what you had. Just go on living your life. I don't see in scripture where the lame person on a mat that could never walk, Jesus just made him a little mobile so that he can, you know, get around by his own now and just, you know, it's okay, you're better off than what you were, okay? Stop being a beggar. You know, he did, he Jesus was presented unholy things. Jesus was presented evil things. People that were demon-possessed were brought to Jesus, and what did Jesus do? I could tell you what he didn't do before I tell you what he does do. He did not just say, make lemonade out of it. I don't know, you do it. No, Jesus takes the unholy, the unrighteous, the evil that we bring before him, and he does not give us lemonade. He does not make us lemonade. He makes us a new creation in him. He is given death, and he makes life. 
You see, there's a difference between lemons and lemonades and life and death. Jesus does what is impossible. What is impossible is for us in this world to make our situation any more palatable, any better than what it is, anything better than what we know it to be because we need something that is far above our understanding. We need something that is far more powerful than anything that this world can give us. We need something that is supernaturally, eternally victorious more than anything that is right in front of our nose, right in our grasp here. And that joy, that joy in the Lord is what we need. That joy the world can't offer. The world says, try this, and we have. And the next amount of time later, we're in the same spot. Well, try this now. Okay, I'll try it. X amount of time later, I'm in the same spot. So if you're outside of Christ right now, you haven't surrendered to Christ, my prayer is for you that you will find today this very moment, whatever device you're listening on, you will find the hope of Christ. Because the joy of his salvation is what is most sustaining through all life. There is nothing that can shake him. There is nothing that can defile him. There is nothing that can destruct him or take charge over him. You see, and when we surrender to Christ, there is something that happens and we learned about it in the Be Bold series. If you, if you weren't here for it or didn't see it, go back on YouTube. I'm sure it's there somewhere. I forget which one it's in. Watch all of them. They're good, okay? But it's the part where Pastor Tim uses that, that reference in the book of the sheep that is cast. And he, the sheep just goes its own way and somehow flips over because they're, you know, they're a little top-heavy. And then their legs are kicking and they're just left there to die. And what does the shepherd do? Make lemonade out of that, lammy. No. The shepherd comes over, picks him up, puts him on the ground, rubs his legs to make the blood flow in their, in their legs again and shows them the way to the flock, to the shepherd where the shepherd is with all of the other brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, that is where the joy comes from. And that joy doesn't just turn your frown upside down situationally. There is something that changes in your soul. And when that change takes place in your soul and deep in your spirit and you're in that situation and you call out to God, that in which God instilled in you, not you finding him, he found you. Remember the lamb that was cast? The lamb didn't get up and look for the shepherd. The shepherd looked for the lamb, okay? And that joy, when you call out to God, he answers, he answers. You see, we need joy. We need joy more now than ever. We do not need the world's joy. We do not need what the world offers. And if you're like me and you're in Christ, you can look and say, yeah, yeah, I've, I've believed that for a little too long from the world. I need that out of me. I need Christ in me more. I need him to restore unto me his salvation. You see, this joy is complete this joy is in Christ. And that is, that is what you need now. Now. 
Christian, you need it. Seeking, not yet in Christ, you need it too. You see, you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, you don't know, Jim. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the hurt. You don't know the despair. You don't know how the world's hurt me. You don't know how I've hurt the world around me. You don't know how evil I have been. Well, you're right. But the same for me. You don't know how evil I've been. You don't know how much I've been plagued by that. You don't know the hurt I've caused. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord is the one that supplies the freedom. The Lord is the one that supplies the forgiveness. And the Bible says, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So join the club. Join the club. I didn't make that up. Romans, the book of Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none in this room, there is none watching, there is none in any of the locations here of Waters Church or anywhere in the world that has ever done everything they always need to do to be holy and righteous before God. None. None of us. This is also what the Bible says in Psalm 102. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. This is good right here too. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal with us harshly as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins. For those in Christ, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. So you say, how can we have joy in our salvation? That's how. Because we come to him in destruction. We come to him with spiritual death. We come to him with hopelessness. And he is the one with unfailing love that gives us life. Life, not death. He doesn't give us a cup of lemonade, kick us in the rear end and say, that'll get you through the week. He transforms you from the inside out. And that joy is available to all in Christ, in Christ. We're gonna read through a psalm, a, a small part of, part of the, the scripture here in just a moment, and we're gonna look through some different parts of it here. And this psalm, it is written by a man that messed up pretty hardcore, hardcore. He had an affair with another man's wife, he abused his power, and he had the husband of the wife murdered. If you've done that, then you can relate to the author of this. If you haven't done that, I mean, I don't know, but we've all messed up. We've all been in that same situation where we know the wrong we've done. We know the transgressions we've done. If you're outside of Christ, there's this void, and that void is the emptiness because you're outside of Christ. And that's what's causing you to search for things in this world. And today, this very moment, this very, this very moment, wherever we are, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. In Christ. So stand with me here in this room and wherever you are in your location, stand with me. We're gonna read Psalm 51. We're gonna start in verse nine and go to verse 12. And it reads like this. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're able to come here freely. And God, the cry of our hearts, each and every one of us in here, we wanna see Jesus. 
So Holy Spirit, we ask that you reveal Jesus to us for the millionth time and for the very first time, God. We just want to glorify your name. I want to glorify your name with the preparation of everything here, God. And I ask that you lead and guide my words. May they, may they serve your purposes. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. So the first point here, my sorrow turns into joy when I recognize I'm a sinner. My sorrow turns into joy when I recognize I'm a sinner. And we see that in this Psalm 51. That's actually what King David, King David is the one that wrote this psalm, and he, he writes it again after messing up hardcore, hardcore. I've never done anything like what King David has done, but I've done my own things that have led me to realize how separated and unrighteous and unholy I am before God. And King David knew that too. And how does he start this psalm? He doesn't say, you made me king, you better clean this up. He starts with this, verse one through four. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. King David starts with a humble heart, saying, I know I messed up. I messed up to the people around me. Most importantly, I messed up to you, God. So the Lord is the one to reveal that sin inside of us. The Lord is the one to reveal to us how much we need to get this world out of us. How much we need this sin out of us. It's repulsive. The Lord is the one that does that. You see, we need it out of us, just like if you, I know I'm not alone. We've all been sick in this room with something, physically, and you're laying on the couch after X amount of time, and you're like, I just need to be done with this so I can get off this God-forsaken couch and go live my life. And that's the same spiritual attitude that we need to have about this world and the things this world offers and the idols of this world and the fear of this world and the confusion of this world is that we need it out of us. Yes, I have a sinful fleshly nature and I've let it come in. And maybe that's you. You have let this come into my spirit for far too long and for too much. And that's okay. Start like David. I know I'm a sinner. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. That's what the next point is right here. Get this world out of me. Get it out. I can't have it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I don't know how to get it out. That's why we rely on Jesus to do the impossible. Because all through scripture, all through his life, he did the impossible. He did not just tweak a man's blindness, kick him in the rear end and tell him to have a good life because you're better off now. He changed his life radically. He took death and made life. I don't know anybody else that did that. I think of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, him and a bunch of youths, and three of them were his friends, the king took them. The king took them of a different land from where they were. And the king took them, and in, in, in my brain, I think like he just put them in a room or, or put them in a, you know, you know, the east wing of the castle or whatever, okay? And he says, you know, I don't care your history. I'm gonna teach you the way of these people. I'm gonna teach you literature. I'm gonna teach you language. I'm gonna teach you everything you need to know about this stuff. And after X amount of time, we're gonna see how well you did. 
And Daniel, oh, I'm sorry, the, the king says, you know, I'm gonna put you in the east wing, but I'm not just gonna leave you there. I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna give you drink. I'm gonna take care of you so that you can learn and be nourished. And this is what Daniel knows, is that the food and the drink that the king offers has been devoted to pagan gods. Pagan gods outside of God, the Father, outside of Christ. And Daniel says, if I consume this, I'm admitting and I understand that it's been devoted to this pagan God and I'm honoring what's been done to this food. And Daniel says, I don't want that in me. I can't let that world in me. So what's he do? Daniel goes to an official, says, dude, I can't eat this stuff. Just let me have vegetables and fruit and my three buddies over here will be good. And the official says, no, the king's gonna kill me. Daniel says, give me 10 days. Give me 10 days and let's just see. Let's just see. How about that? Okay, no problem. 10 days later, what's scripture show us? Is that Daniel and his three friends were stronger and fatter than all the other youths. Why? Because he was intentional on not consuming the things of the world, not honoring the idols of this world, and honoring and, and, and glorifying God by trusting that even though it doesn't make sense in that situation, I'm still not gonna do it. It doesn't make sense to the world. Maybe it didn't even make sense to Daniel, I don't know. What else does the Bible tell us about this? Daniel chapter one, it says this. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none, none was found like Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them to be 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all the kingdom. How's that happen? I have no clue. But I know what happens when I'm faithful to my God. I know what happens when I'm faithful in my faith, believing that regardless of what this world tells me, regardless of what this chaos in this, this land wants me to believe spiritually or anything other than that, if it's rooted in the world, I know how my God responds when I'm faithful to his word instead of the world's idols. And he's faithful like this. He takes care of us. First John says this, coming back to confessing, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, but you don't know what I've done, Jesus. Well, actually he does. You don't know what I've done, Jim. You're right, I don't. But this doesn't have a but at the end of it. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness, except for you. Don't add that part, because it's not in here. Number two, my sorrow turns into joy when I am repentant. When I am repentant, and we see that again in verse uh, seven of, in, in 12 in, in this chapter 51. It says, purge me with hyssop. This is what Daniel's saying. He, he stops his, his prayer of confession, and he starts going into a prayer of a repentant heart. 
And that's what verse 7 shows. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And it, in your notes, in your Bible, if you're a, you know, electronic, I don't know, but the, the word your salvation in that last verse, underline it, circle it, you know, smiley face, draw a heart around it, I don't know. But the salvation is not up to you. He's already done it in Christ. Jesus has already taken care of what needs to be done so that we can be holy and blameless and righteous before God the Father for all of eternity. We, yeah, that's okay to express the joy of the Lord in that because I need it too, okay? It's encouraging. Uh, but it's his salvation. You're not told to make salvation out of lemons spiritually or physically in this world. We are told as Christians to believe what's already been done by faith, not by head knowledge of what makes sense scientifically or otherwise, by faith. And I think about this, the joy of our salvation in Christ. I mean, those in Christ, you remember that day. You know what the weather was like. You might remember the face or the name of the person that led you to Christ. It might have happened here, it might have happened many years ago. I remember mine. And I think, how far was I from God? How far was I that lamb all the way out yonder? not even caring, but I called on him. I called for his salvation. I called for his forgiveness. And he didn't just hear me and say, make lemonade out of it. He came to where I was, he set my feet up on solid ground, and he transformed me. He was given destruction, that's what I brought to him, and he gave life. He gave life. And it's like that for all of those in Christ right here. We all have our stories. And we need to share those things with each other. We need to share those with our neighbor. We need to share that because inside of that story, there's so much joy. And what, what does the world see? A joy that they've never seen before because it's rooted in Christ. I was in the ocean on a boat doing unholy things when I called out to Christ. And he heard me. It was a cruise boat. It wasn't like a, like a raft or anything, okay? I wasn't like stranded on the, in the ocean. It was a cruise boat. You gotta be honest. It wasn't that bad, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it was, though. I was doing unholy, destructive, evil things. And that was the only time I ever cried out to God and said, save me. And I woke up the next morning, forgot all about it, walking down the hall, and the Holy, I didn't even ask. The Holy Spirit says, remember last night? And I just knew the Lord saved me. Amen. The Lord saved me. Yes. And so I think when I'm slayed with the, the things around this world, when I, when I think about this stuff and when I see the worldly idols and all this stuff, I think about that day. And the joy that comes from that day is nothing that man created, is nothing that I deserve is nothing that any person here on earth has ever given me. And that wells up joy in my spirit that he was faithful then and he will be faithful now. 
And in Christ, you know. And if you're here searching, today, this moment, is your day to know that. I think about Jonah. Jonah, uh, you know, this story is less about his stubbornness and more about God's unfailing grace. By God's grace, he took Jonah out of the whale, the, the big fish's belly. By, by God's grace, he called him to Nineveh. And what did, what did Jonah say to Nineveh? Repent, or God's gonna destroy you, in essence. And this is what happens. This is the king of Nineveh. This is his response in scripture. Jonah 3, 8. Let everyone turn from his evil way and, let, and from the violence that is in his own hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. The king that was once enveloped in evilness and his whole empire was, that's his response, repentance. How can you be consumed with the world? The world's over here. I'm following the world. I need joy from the world. I need this from the world. I need, I need purpose. I need, I need everything from the world, and I'm going to seek until I find it in the world. Just the simple act of God revealing to you that you don't need the world and you need God is repentance. I don't know why, but I don't need this anymore. God, I'm turning to you. I need you to infill me and to, to forgive me and to set my feet on a rock and give me purpose in my life. You see, repentance is action. Yes, it starts with a genuine spirit. Yes, it starts with a humble heart to say, I know the wrong I've done. God, give me a clean heart and please give me a repentant spirit. I, I am truly, as much as humanly possible, I'm rem I have remorse for what I have done. Yes, it begins with that prayer. And then where the rubber meets the road is action, is action. But you see, this action is not to get repentance. You're, this action is not to get salvation. This action is not to get grace or to get holiness or to get anything. You see, it's rooted in what we've already got from Christ. We already got his salvation if you're in him. You've already cried out to him. He's already rescued you. He's already forgiven you. He's already given you purpose and breathed life into your death. And this repentance comes from that. I want to honor you, God. I want to honor you because you've already given me not what I want, not what I hope for, but so much more. So much more. So we look at repentance as an action. We see that in this psalm. Look at verse 13. Let me back up verse 12 from that, that previous scripture. It, the last part of that verse 12 says, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That's like the end of his prayer of, of confession and repentance. And he goes right into action. Then I will teach, your, teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth and I will declare your praise. All of those things are action of a repentant heart. You're confused on him. Am I really, is, is this a, a, a repentant action? Well, let me ask you this. Would you normally do it? <laughs> I mean, would you normally have forgiveness and peace in your heart and your mind and everything else in that situation had it not been the Lord? I know I wouldn't. 
some of you here now at some location or wherever you're tuning in, you're waiting for the joy of the Lord to fill you up. You're waiting, and you're eager, and you want it. And some of you are a little angry because you're, I've been waiting so long, where's my joy? Where is it? And I'm here to tell you, because I've lived it, because I've gone through it, I've seen both sides of the fence. Your joy will come in serving his purposes, not your own. You're waiting for something to fill you up, but it needs an action. You need to go somewhere. You need to go do something, and he will fill you up when you prioritize the empty seat next to you so that somebody else can receive Christ. I've seen it. When I've begged for joy, when I've begged for his peace, and nothing ever happened, and that just got me even more angry. That got me even more justified to myself, justified in my anger to the Lord. You tell me about joy, and you say it's one of the fruit of the spirits. Where is it now? It's in serving his purposes, not my own. Galatians says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We were not given freedom in Christ to go serve our sinful desires. We were given freedom in Christ so that others may know that there's freedom in Christ. How does that work for you? I don't know, I don't have all the answers. God does. He'll steer you. He'll guide you. His Holy Spirit will fill you and direct you and lead you. But don't go from here today or online or whatever you're listening to. Don't use your freedom for your sinful desires. Use them in this house. Use them in those locations you're a part of to bless the name of the Lord that others may receive Christ where you are. Number three, my sorrow turns into joy when I surrender and receive Christ. My sorrow turns into joy when I surrender and receive Christ. Ephesians says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I think that there's some here today and, and listening right now, wherever you are, that we've taken that practice of the world of doing so we're deserving and applied it into our faith. That's not how it goes. Because this scripture tells me what I'm actually deserving of. I'm deserving of the punishment that Jesus took on the cross. I'm deserving of eternal separation from God because of my evil, because of my wretchedness. And it's only by God's grace, not my doing, that I am forgiven, that I have hope, that I can be in direct communication with God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, because of Jesus Christ. You see, it's by grace. It's not by what, how hard you've worked for it. It's not by how deserving you are. Sorrow turns to joy when I surrender and receive Christ. You know, there's been some of us here that have had the idols of this world inside of us for too long. And you can't see a way out. And that's okay. 
I'm here to tell you that there is a way out and it's through Christ. And I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you that the idols of this world, you can't control if they're gonna be around you. You can't control where they're gonna be in your life. What you can control is if you're gonna let them in. If you're gonna let them in. Like Daniel, I'm not gonna let that defiled food into my body, into my spirit. He wasn't in control of the idols around him. He got to decide if he was gonna let those in. Right now, you're, I believe right now, the Lord is working in every single heart, every single spirit right here. Christian, to reveal that you're a sinner and you need to confess your sin and have a repentant heart. He's revealed to you that by his grace and that he will save you and that there is hope and purpose in him. I believe right now that you don't know why, you don't know how, but you've got this remorse for what you've done. And that's from the Holy Spirit working in you. That's called a repentant heart. I believe right now, Christian and non, wherever we are, that's what the Lord is doing. Right now, this very moment. And my thought that I have is, is Christian, how much longer are you gonna decide to let those things in? How much longer are you gonna wait before you turn to God to heal your heart and restore you? To restore the joy of, your, of his salvation in you? And my, my other thought is for you non-Christian, you're here seeking. You have yet to surrender to Christ wherever you may be. How much longer are you gonna search this world for something the world cannot offer. Today, this very moment, the Holy Spirit isn't confined to these rooms or wherever you're watching, wherever you're, whatever location you're a part of. The Holy Spirit, we believe the Holy Spirit is there with you and that the Lord hears you. He heard me in the middle of an ocean. Why wouldn't he hear you wherever you're tuning in? How much longer? How much longer? Surrender to Christ today. Christian, I, that's what I tell you. Surrender to Christ today. Confess with a humble heart. Ask for that repentant spirit. And don't just end at the asking. Don't use your freedom in him to serve your sinful desires. Use your freedom in him to serve one another in love. Here in this house, whatever house you're a part of at any location you're, you're tuning in from, to the seeker, to those far from God, you might call yourself ungodly or some other name of this world, but you're not a Christian, you're yet to believe. My call to you is to surrender to Christ. Surrender. Place your faith in him. Confess that you are far from him. And believe with your heart, by faith, that he will save you. That's what these scriptures teach. I'm not making this up. I just know it to be true in my own life. And that's what I want in your life if you're far from Christ. I don't want you to be separated like that. I don't want you to look into some bucket that has a hole in the bottom of it, never to be able to find what it is that you need. I want to bring you to the spring of life, Jesus Christ, and let him breathe life to your death and destruction. So, 
Romans 10 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Except for you, that's really evil. No, that's not what it says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For scripture says everyone who believes, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Check this out. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You want your guarantee? There it is. Romans 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Does it make sense? No, because it's supernatural grace from God on high that doesn't make sense to our human puny little brains. But I know it's true. And this is where chapter 12, I know it to be true that the world cannot offer me anything. And all my seeking in the world to find what I wanted to find. Chapter 12, verse, verse 12 tells me why I never found it there. The Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. You've yet to call on the name of the Lord, that's why you haven't found anything. You need to call on the name of the Lord today.